What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey everybody, David Brody here, The Pod's Honest Truth. We are back on, hope all is well, uh, beautiful 72 and sunny here in the studio. Of course, we're inside, so it's not really sunny, but it is 72, and that's a wonderful temperature for someone like myself, who is turning 55 this month. That's right, the double nickel, or as I like to call it, the IHOP senior menu age, um, Kind of excited about it. It's a simple two-egg breakfast. I'll probably be eating tilapia the rest of my life now that I'm 55 and I can order off the IHOP menu. But hey, uh, look, I'm going to get a good deal, so uh, that's all I care about. Uh, hope all is well, uh, by the way. Uh, today, uh, we have a great show. As you know, uh, this podcast, The Pod's Honest Truth, we explore intersection uh, right there between culture and religion politics, all of it together. Today, I want to talk about the evangelicals and Trump, or as Trump would say, the evangelicals. They love me. Because, you know, you know, Trump loves the evangelicals. This is what he says. Uh, matter of fact, uh, when I've, I've interviewed him over 20 times, and uh, last couple times I've interviewed him when he's president, he slaps me on the uh, arm and says, uh, how are the Christians doing? How are the Christians doing? So there you go. Um, I love how uh, it's no longer just Christians, it's the Christians. But anyhow, uh, so we'll explain why, why the evangelicals love him so much, uh, and there's a lot to that. We'll get into this whole idea of how evangelicals and Trump, believe it or not, see the world in very much the same way. Now, I don't mean in terms of necessarily biblical absolutes with Trump, but there is something to be made, made of the case here of right and wrong, good versus evil, uh, kind of a, a black and white approach to life. Uh, evangelicals see it that way. You know, Jesus is the only way to heaven, uh, heaven and hell, all of that. And Trump sees things also in uh, absolutes, too. And, of course, he's fighting for them and their values. And uh, the, the, the evangelicals, as, as they would say, or actually as Trump would say, uh, understand that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. And this just in, uh, Donald Trump is imperfect. And that's in all caps and a 24 font bold, by the way. So we'll get into all of that. And to help discuss that, we're going to have Ralph Reed on. Ralph Reed is the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, one of those religious right guys. Remember, uh, whatever. I'm sure he doesn't want to be called that. Uh, but the truth is he's an influential evangelical advisor. Uh, uh, or excuse me, leader, and, and obviously has the ear of the president in some areas too. But he is the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and they have a new effort to mobilize evangelicals. So we're going to get into that with Ralph Reed on the podcast. But first, I want to remind you, obviously, that this is, as I like to say, the pod's honest truth. And if you remember from last time, every time I say the pod's honest truth, I believe I have written in my contract. I'm not sure. I'll have to check the fine print. But I, I believe I get paid every time I say the pod's honest truth. Thank you. I think it's a nickel, but at least it's something. It'll feed the family to a degree. Um, so this is part of just the news. Uh, it's a new digital news site. 
Uh, and it's, of course, dedicated to giving you facts, not spin. That's not what we're about. You want spin? Mainstream media's got plenty of that. But uh, there are a lot of people that have heard about us and some good news for you. Uh, we're going to launch the website, the Just the News website, this month. That's right. I don't know if there's going to be a party. Hopefully there will be. Uh, so you can already actually hear John Solomon uh, and his new podcast called John Solomon Reports. That's already uh, up. So check your local podcast listing, if you will. Uh, and Cheryl Atkinson is launching her new podcast as well next week. So be sure to keep checking in at justthenews.com. And so while you're there, don't forget to subscribe. You can get the news, investigative reports, a whole lot more on the site when Just the News launches next week. Lots going on. Once again, the website, justthenews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pod's Honest Truth. That's right. Just earned another nickel. Thank you. You can find me. <clears throat> excuse me. See, this is what happens when you're 55. You have voice issues. I could do another take, but that wouldn't be authentic. So just let me call it. <coughs> there. That's pretty authentic. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe button, please. And of course, rate me and leave a review. All right, hang on. We're going to do a commercial break. When we come back, the facts about evangelicals and Trump. Who are these people exactly? Trump loves them. You know he loves the evangelicals. But many hate those same evangelicals because they support the president. We're back in a moment. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says, Criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. And we are back on the pod's honest truth. Look, one of the things you're going to get on the podcast is facts to back up the argument. No spin. That's what justthenews.com does not want to do. We're about facts. You can decide for yourself. There's no reason we need to tell you what to think. You're smart enough. You can figure it out. So let's get to some of this data on Trump's poll numbers with evangelicals throughout his first term. You know, they, they've obviously supported him pretty thoroughly, and, and that really hasn't wavered. Now, let's start with this baseline, right? In 2016, in the election, Trump won 81% of white evangelicals. And the reason I keep saying white evangelicals, you'll hear that term a lot, or white evangelical Protestants, is because that's how CNN and many of the other networks actually measure the exit poll information. In other words, they're actually asking, are you a white evangelical? So this is the number that we have, and that's why I'm saying it that way. I fully recognize that not all evangelicals uh, are white. I mean, that goes without saying. But, but look at some of these numbers. So you had 81% of white evangelicals actually uh, voted for President Trump. 
uh, in 2016. But now, if we fast forward through his term, look at these numbers. Okay, so at his 100-day mark, right in 2017, 78%, that's about three quarters of white evangelical Protestants approved of the way Trump handled his job as president. That's from the Pew Research Center. You can look it up. The following year, about a year later, April 2018, this is from the Public Religion Research Institute, once again, holding strong, uh, 75% of white evangelicals surveyed had a positive opinion of Donald Trump. So we're right around that three-quarter uh, mark, if you will. Then fo fast forward to the next year, January 2019, this is back to the Pew Research Center, and you've got about 70%. It's really around 69 point whatever it is, but roughly seven in 10 white evangelical Protestants approve of the way Trump is handling his job. And now fast forward to uh, the present, January of 2020, 2020. Uh, this is an Associated Press public affairs research poll the president now enjoying his strongest support among white evangelical Protestants, 79 percent approve of the job that he's doing. So, look, his his support clearly hasn't wavered. Uh, why is that? Well, uh, this is where I insert the word and it's a, a real intellectual word. Here it is. Duh. I mean, why wouldn't they support him? He has delivered on every single uh, promise pretty much that he has made. And by the way, that's not spin. That's fact. I don't have time to go through it all. That's another podcast, whether it be moving the embassy, the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, uh, whether it be judges, whether it be the pro-life issue. I mean, I just go down down the line. There is the getting out of the Iran nuclear deal. There's tons of things uh, that, that this president has done. And that specifically is why those numbers have stayed strong. Now, as it relates to 2020, there's going to be some key battleground states. And, you know, I talked to a lot of evangelical uh, leaders, some organizers around the ground. Uh, here are some of the key states. So Florida, obviously. Obviously, uh, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Ohio, and Iowa. Now, there are a few more, but those are the big ones. Now, why those states specifically? I don't want to get into each state. That'll, that'll bore you, and frankly, it'll bore me. And if I fell asleep on the podcast, that would be the end of the pod's honest truth. That's right. Another nickel. You know I planned that, by the way. Um, look, Florida, uh, North Carolina, a lot of evangelicals. Uh, as a matter of fact, many of these states have quite a few evangelicals that need to be won. But Pennsylvania is interesting because they're, uh, remember, the evangelical organizers on the ground aren't just going after uh, conservative white evangelical Protestants. They're also going after white conservative Catholics. And that's where you're going to find that in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, obviously all the states, but Pennsylvania for sure, uh, and a few others. So, the, the real question then becomes, can Donald Trump match or exceed that 81 percent number we talked about that he won in 2016? That's the magic number. We're going to get into that with Ralph Reed here in a moment. I'm actually going to ask him that question. And the question is very simple. Does Donald Trump win the presidency if he has 81 percent of evangelical support again in 2016? Now, my, my analysis on it, based on informed uh, evangelical organizers, excuse me, organizers on the ground, suggests that he's going to have to be north of 81 percent. Uh, maybe 81 percent does the trick, but most likely not. He might have to be at 82, 83, because there's so much anti-venom on the left this time around for Trump. And of course, it all depends on, on the candidate that Democrats uh, run as well. Uh, What's interesting is, you know, Romney, when he ran in 2012, he had 78 percent of the white evangelical vote. So once again, to compare Romney 2012, 78 percent of that white evangelical vote, Trump 81 percent of the white 
evangelical vote. And by the way, Catholics, very important here, and this is part of the evangelical mobilization ground game, uh, because Trump actually won the Catholic vote in 2016 by seven points, 52-45 over Hillary Clinton. Romney, however, lost it to Obama by about two points. So Trump was winning Catholics in 2016, and they're going to have to do that again in 2020. And that's going to be really uh, important. And then, of course, I want to take a look uh, here at more of a deeper dive or who are these evangelicals exactly? We always hear about them. Well, well who are they exactly? And uh, demographically, I mean, economically, spiritually, what do they look like exactly? And I think the main point here is that, look, this doesn't break down along education lines for the most part. In other words, uh, whether you're college educated as an evangelical or you don't have a college degree, you're pretty much still supporting Trump. Let me explain. But there is one little caveat to that. For example, white college educated evangelical men. Let me repeat that again. White college educated evangelical men are approving Trump at a 78 percent clip. Now, white non-college educated evangelical men are giving Trump an 80 percent approval rating. So 78 percent for college educated, 80 percent for non-college educated. Uh, the bottom line is uh, there's not much of a difference. Now, there is a bit of a difference when it comes to women. When you look at white college-educated evangelical women, 51% approve. Lower number there. 51% approve of Trump. The non-college evangelical women, these are white non-college evangelical women, 68% approve of Trump. So that's a pretty good number. So bottom line is, it is those white college-educated evangelical women, that 51%, even though they approve of him, that's a, technically a majority, it's the lowest number. So clearly Trump has some work to do with those college-educated evangelical women. And oh, newsflash, where do they live? A lot of them live in the suburbs, and that's exactly what one of the key themes will be, which is can Trump do well with women in the suburbs, and evangelicals are a subset of that. One last stat to point uh, out before we uh, move on and get to that Ralph Reed interview, uh, but this is interesting about how Trump does with people that actually go to church. Now, I say go to church. They're evangelical. Of course they go to church, but some go more than others, all right? So... What's interesting here is Trump's support from evangelicals is actually strongest among those who attend church regularly. You, you might think the opposite. Oh, it's just that ones that call themselves evangelical, but they don't really go to church that much. No, not true at all. It's actually the ones that are attending uh, at least once a month, uh, many times even more than that. 67% of those white evangelical Protestants actually approve the way Trump is handling the job. And only 54%, a lower number, of white evangelical Protestants who attend church really more sporadically, less than a month, once in a while, every few months or whatever it is, those are the ones that just approve of them, 54%. So actually, Trump does better, fascinating here, Trump does better with the ones that are in church more <laughs> than less. I laugh because it just kind of goes against type, it goes against the grain, it goes against what the media might tell you out there, but the truth of the matter is th th those are the hard-cold facts. Uh, and why is that? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but I'll just say it in one sentence. The bottom line here is that Trump is speaking their language. Now, maybe not their coarse language, so to speak, because Trump's got some coarse language, but he is speaking their Judeo-Christian principle language. The ones that are in church more uh, seem to have a little bit more of a fervent approach to Judeo-Christian principles. They want to see society change, and Trump clearly is delivering on that, and so I think that's the connection point between the two. All right. We will come back after the break with that Ralph Reed interview back in a moment.
Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, time for the Ralph Reed interview. He is the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. He is the main guy when it comes to having his organization get out and mobilize evangelicals somehow, some way to vote again for this president in 2020. Uh, I sit down and I talk to him about their new voter outreach. It's a big digital campaign that they have going on. It just started up. Here's the interview. And welcome back, everybody, to The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. And we are now joined by Ralph Reed, CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Ralph, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for uh, doing this. You bet, David. Good to be with you. Well, look, the evangelical vote, 2020 is here. What's the take on the ground? You were in Iowa this week. Uh, what's the game plan, Ralph? Well, look, I think uh, it's very similar to what we did in 2016, only this time we've got a tremendous record of accomplishment that we're going to be able to communicate to these voters. You know, uh, four years ago, President Trump was uh, more of an unknown qu uh, quantity, uh, and uh, a lot of voters were having to vote based on faith. And now they're going to be able to vote based on both faith and sight. Uh, this is a president who kept his promise to cut taxes, grow the economy, seven million new jobs, religious freedom advanced, the Johnson Amendment enforcement suspended, uh, the most pro-life president in American history, recently became the first sitting president to address the March for Life, two conservative Supreme Court justices, 187 total federal judges, the U.S. Embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, as he promised, and we could go on and on. So we really believe that our job uh, it's not much of a sales job at this point. It's just more of a get-out-the-boat job and a voter registration job. So at Faith and Freedom, which is my organization, uh, we'll have full-time staff in about a dozen states. Uh, we'll be knocking on doors and turning the boat out in a total of 20 states. We'll send out 25 to 30 million get-out-the-boat texts, knock on about 4 million doors, and put voter education literature in about 117,000 churches, and we'll have the most ambitious and comprehensive digital campaign in the history of our movement. Uh, and uh, that begins this week with a digital video that is going to the Facebook pages of every evangelical voter in every battleground state recounting the uh, achievements and accomplishments of President Trump. 
Yeah, I was able to take a look at it, Ralph, and, it, and it's pretty powerful, uh, kind of a promises uh, delivered uh, for sure, promises made, promises kept. So, Ralph, what's what's the status in your mind in terms of how Trump wins reelection? In 2016, he had 81% of the white evangelical vote, according to exit polls. Does 81% do the trick again, or does, is he going to need to be north of that? Uh, I think it would do the trick again, but I think we are going to be north of that. Um, I'm, I'm not much in the prediction business, but I think the floor is 81, and I think the ceiling is probably in the 87 to 88% range. Uh, I think it's going to be very strong, but even more than that, David, even more than the margin, I think it's going to be the turnout. We had, in 2018, we had a net increase of 10.8 million evangelical Christian voters over the 2014 baseline. So between 2014 and 2018, the last two midterm elections, 10.8 million more conservative Christians went to the polls. I think President Trump, given what the left and the Democrats are getting ready to do, Given the, amount of, given the amount of money that Soros and Bloomberg and others are going to spend, I think we're going to need to increase turnout in 20 by that much or more over what we saw in 2016. In 2016, there were approximately 130 million votes cast for president. We're projecting somewhere between 150 and 160 million total. So it isn't just the percentage. It's the raw vote turnout. That's what we're going to need, and that's why we're knocking on the doors. That's why we're going to be sending them SMS texts. That's why we're going to be calling them, putting voter guides in churches, and tracking every one of these voters from registration until they vote early or on Election Day. Ralph, what's your biggest challenge? Uh, this president has delivered time and time again for evangelicals, so there's a check mark there. But what's the tangible issue that you may face uh, in 2020 on the ground? What, what, what are the challenges ahead? Well, I think the biggest challenge for the campaign, I think, uh, is the softness uh, among suburban voters and especially suburban women voters. Um, I think they've not gotten the facts on this president's record. And I don't care if you're talking about the fact that female unemployment today is at three percent two percent, which is a 59-year low, or the fact that 60 percent of all the jobs that have been created have gone to women, or the fact that he's been a leader on criminal justice reform, on uh, paid family leave, on human trafficking, on education, on issues that really matter to a lot of more moderate suburban women voters. But, David, they have not gotten the facts from the media, and we have not always done a good enough job of telling the story of his record on those issues. You know, the so-called softer issues that really matter to suburban and female voters. And what we can't do is add 10 or 15 million more evangelical voters in the front of the boat and then, and then lose 10 million suburban women voters in in, in in, in the other end of the boat. So uh, there's got to be a lot of storytelling there, too. Ralph, a couple last questions. Are you suggesting that 2020 could be an even stronger year 
for President Trump as compared to 2016 based on the analytical data that you're seeing at this point? I think it could. Um, I think that if you look at where he is right now in terms of his economic job approval versus his personal or overall job approval, that there's a delta there that depending upon the voter subgroup is somewhere between five and 10 points. So if people are voting on the economy and voting on their own personal financial condition, I think he can do a lot better. I also think there's a bit of an underperformance factor for the president on a lot of these ballot tests and on even the overall job approval number. He's historically underperformed there, but then overperformed when people actually voted. And I tend to think that'll be the case again. And one last question for you, Ralph. We, we know Florida, you'll be there, you'll be in North Carolina, this tr these traditional battleground states, Pennsylvania, I can go on. But, but talk to me a little bit about Wisconsin and, and the crucial role that evangelicals and your group will play on the ground there, because it seems as though that is a state that Trump really does need to win again in 2020. Also, Minnesota and Colorado, too. Yeah, all of those are going to be in play. We'll be in every one of them. Obviously, Colorado and Minnesota both are big Senate races in addition to the presidential race. And, you know, look, I think the, you know, the, the sort of downside for us is this is not going to be like 2016. We're not going to catch anybody unawares. You know, they, last time they, you know, they were so overconfident, you know, that Hillary didn't even go to Wisconsin during the general election. Uh, that's not going to be the case this time. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, this time, I think the data is better than it's ever been. Uh, the campaign team is better than it's ever been. And, and even though he doesn't get a lot of credit for it, the president and his candidate performance is better than it's ever been. I mean, he's a huge draw. You know, look at, you look at the 175,000 people uh, that, that bought tickets to the rally in, in South Jersey the other day. Um, he's a game changer. And I think the ability to get people to go to those rallies and then do the data analytics on those people, both the registered and the unregistered, is going to make a big difference. I can tell you this right now in terms of ground game, field operation, infrastructure, messaging, and the digital campaign. I, this is a state-of-the-art effort, and I think it'll make a real difference. Ralph Reed, the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Ralph, as always, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You bet, David. Thanks so much. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you, okay? Now, picture this. You're, you're parked outside the restaurant. You're meeting your date in 10 minutes, glancing in the mirror, and then you notice your wrinkles and your large under-eye bags. And you rummage through your bag, and you think, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. So you apply the clear serum under your eyes, and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappear in front of your eyes. You're going to look years younger. So Plexiderm really is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, under-eye bags in minutes. That's right, not hours, minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. So go to tryplexiderm.com and enter voices for 50% off 
plus, that's right, an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. What a deal. I mean, this offer only available by calling 1-800-685-1292. And once again, mention code voices. Plexiderm, backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get my special discount, enter voices at, let's all say it together, triplexiderm.com. And that's Ralph Reed on the Pod's Honest Truth. You know, Ralph talked about the raw vote total, and that's really important to pay attention to. Here's why. I want you to think about this for a moment. In the presidential election, okay, there were roughly, in 2016, that is, about 127 million folks actually voted, roughly, about 127 million. Out of that 127 million, 26% of them were white, born-again evangelicals. They make up about 26% of the electorate. That is typical for evangelicals. So that's about 33 million evangelicals. Here's the issue. According to, you can go look at tons of surveys here, but roughly 90 million evangelicals, or there, there are 90 million people in this country that identify as evangelical. Now, you know, let's give or take uh, here and there on that figure. But the bottom line is, if you use 90 million evangelicals uh, as, as your kind of your data point there, and only 33 million showed up, that means roughly 50, in my math, I got to do my math, 57 million evangelicals didn't show up in to vote for the in the election. Now, Hold on. I know you're saying, well, wait a minute. They're not all white, born-again evangelicals. True. Uh, they're not all Republicans. True. And so we can just go on. So let's whittle that number down. But even if we whittle it down, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million. Look, the bottom line is, is that still, if if it is 57 million, and I'm not saying it necessarily is, but it could be 40, 30 million. The bottom line is there's tens of millions of evangelicals that don't vote in this country. And that's exactly what Ralph Reed and many other groups across the country are trying to do to increase that percentage of the electorate. Once again, that percentage of the electorate of white born again evangelicals is 26 percent. If they can get that number up to 27, 28, 29 percent, I mean, it's a game changer. I'll be honest with you. Even 27 percent. Uh, would I would suggest would probably be somewhat of a game changer, especially in such a close election. So uh, that is something to think about. All right, folks. Well, that does it for the Pod's Honest Truth. Uh, really excited to do this podcast and really excited to uh, interview folks like Ralph Reed. We've, before that, we had Charlie Kirk on another episode. We started with Mike Pence, the vice president. We've had the U.S. ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. So we've got a lot of newsmakers here uh, on the podcast. So you want to keep checking back for that. Uh, remember, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out Just the News at justthenews.com. We're launching later this month. You've got John Solomon Reports podcast, Cheryl Atkinson podcast coming next week. So many different options to choose. I hope at least one of your options will be the pod's honest truth. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.